Welcome to the Learning with Interesting People podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chad Lang. The Learning with Interesting People podcast is a podcast, well, where we talk to interesting people about how they have learned, how they do learn, and how they want to learn in the future. So relax, reflect, and even laugh a little. It's time to learn. Well, welcome to another episode of the Learning with Interesting People podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 4, and our guest for this episode is Mr. Brian Martin. Brian is a second-grade teacher from Western New York of nearly 20 years, a former assistant basketball coach, a veteran of our military, and a podcaster himself of the Teaching Champions podcast. Yeah, thanks so much, Chad. I'm fired up to be here. I love the whole premise of your podcast, and I'm just very humbled to be here and have this conversation with you. Great. Well, uh, Brian and I have met each other through some you know, common connections in, in leadership and school leadership and being positive. And I don't think it's going to take for very long for you listeners to get that vibe from Brian. I uh, had the opportunity to, to listen to your podcast, and I want you to talk about that too. But you know, one of the common themes through our episodes in the past season and this season and going forward will be that, that idea of positivity, having a growth mindset, how we can learn from each other and not focus and dwell on the negative, not being naive, but, but also identifying, having the opportunity to really celebrate so much of the positivity that's around us, including people like you. So you're, uh, you're one of the most positive people that I have an opportunity to get to meet. I feel blessed and uh, I want to make sure more people have the opportunity to get to know you, Brian. That's awesome. I really appreciate that. And I I think you hit the, the nail on the head right there. Like, this time right now in education it is uh it's hard and it's not easy and there's a lot of negative voices out there and it's mm-hmm. not about being naive because there's certain things in the moment that we can't change there's a lot that yes as educators we want to get out there and we want to push it and we want to try and get change to make it better going forward but in this moment you know dwelling on all the negative things that we can't control it only brings us down. So just like you said, if we focus on the positives, the bright spots, surround us with awesome people, it just helps us out. No doubt. So, hey, take us on a journey. Give us a little bit about your background. Uh, tell us about your formal learning journey. You've got such an interesting life, both in the past and in the present. Talk us, get us, uh, get us an opportunity to, to get to know you a little bit better. Sounds great. Well, I grew up in a small town in western New York, very rural. There's about 13,000 people where I grew up, and I still teach there to this day. And so I go through high school, and I go out, and all I cared about was basketball in high school. Never really thought about my future, but uh, there's not a big demand for five foot nine, slow, slow kids out there in the NBA. So all I knew was that I wanted to uh, help people, but I didn't know how. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm going to go to a community college to start off, and I'm just going to get a computer science degree. So I go the, to community college, and I'm still trying to figure it out. And I decide, well, I want to do something, whether, I don't know if you want to say it manly or, or testosterone fueled, but you know, I want to go and I'm going to try and become a police officer. So I graduated my computer science degree and I go to uh, SUNY Brockport and I'm there my first semester and I'm taking these criminal justice courses and I just find out that it's not for me. It was just an mm-hmm. awakening call that, that that's not the path that was meant for me. 
And uh, I'm talking to this kid. We're playing basketball one day, and he's an elementary major. And he said, you know what? You need to go into elementary. It's an awesome field. And truth be told, he said, being a male at the elementary level, you know, you have a, a great shot at getting hired right away. So mm-hmm. my mom's a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher. Like I said, okay. I always wanted to help people. So just, you know, what? let's go with it. I love kids. So I decided I'm going to go into elementary education. But the college I was at, they wouldn't allow me to get into that field right away. So I ended up transferring in the spring semester to another SUNY school and uh, get into their program. And I'm going through that. And I'm going into my senior year. And I always wanted to go into the military. And I knew, all right, this was my last shot. If I graduate, that uh, I'm going to start teaching and that dream's over. So I said, you know what, going into my senior year, I'm going to join the reserves. I can go and I can do basic training. What I always wanted to do, watch the videos of Rambo and Commando and, you know, (laughs) Arnold and and Sylvester Stallone. I said, this is what I want to do. And, uh, so I'm going through the process and I had LASIK eye surgery. So it wasn't a thing where I can show up and they took me right away. There was a lot of back and forth. I had to go see multiple doctors and everything. Well, it's in September and I'm walking to class and I haven't enlisted yet. And I'm going into class and I walk up and in the student lobby, there's all these people watching videos and these two buildings are on fire. And I, I sit there and I watch them as the Twin Towers crumble. And I go back to, they cancel classes and I go back to my dorm room. And, you know, you just, in that moment, if you weren't, we can relate because we're around the same age and everything. Correct. But the younger people that didn't really experience it, you know, mm-hmm. how surreal and just that moment right there. And then it, to, to go at it, ah, oh, you know, I'm in the process of signing up for the military. And, you know, up until that day, I was like, man, I just want to go to basic training. But now the game's changed because sure. we didn't know what was going to happen, right? Right. So, and if I'm being transparent, there were a lot of nights where right after that happened, I just stared up at the ceiling wondering should I back out? Now, there was a lot of brave men and women that when that happened, you saw them, they were right outside. They were signing up to join the military. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't me. If I'm being transparent, it Mm -hmm. wasn't me. But ultimately, I decided I was good enough to go into the military before September 11th that, you know, maybe it was for a reason. So, I went in like two weeks, three weeks after September 11th, I went up there and completed the, the signing up process. And uh, so finish up schooling and go to basic training and come home. And I come home in like November. So then I'm student teaching or not student teaching, but substitute teaching for the mm-hmm. year. Get a job after that year in my home district teaching kindergarten. So I started out my first two years teaching kindergarten, which uh, is a whole different ball game and a huge learning experience, especially your first year teaching. And uh, so that taught me a lot. And then I moved up to first grade my third year and I get activated. And they 
changed our job. So originally my job was like to run a pipeline. When you're in the reserves, you, everybody has like a, a job, certain job skill that they train you to do. So ours was to run like pipelines, to run fuel and everything. So they make us uh, uh, truck drivers. So we go and we train for like three or four months. And then we go overseas for a year and I spend a year over in Iraq. And then I come home and uh, that was just a learning experience. And I think I grew more from reflecting on it later on in life. There was a lot that uh, I learned from my experiences as I grew older and I can look back and learn and grow more now looking back than I did in the moment. So that was a big chapter in my life. Then I come home and I, I've been teaching second grade ever since. And I joined the, the basketball program in my high school. And we had an amazing basketball program. Nothing that had to do with me. That uh, We had a Hall of Fame uh, coach. He's in the Hall of Fame for New York. Um, and then uh, the other assistant coach, he was uh, great too. They're, they're cut from the same stone. And they knew so much about basketball. My knowledge about basketball is pretty small. So I I knew the only way I can be a part of this program and help out is if I bring something else because I'm not going to help out at all with the X's and O's because they knew so much more than me. So I dove into mental conditioning and how um, to build the players up. And I really focused on being that guy that was uh, focusing on culture and focusing on just uh, – keeping the team together. And that, and that's, you know, we had a great program, but when you have 16, 17, 18-year-old boys that are they're alpha males and getting them to buy in, because everybody wants their name in the paper, everybody wants to score all the points, but if you can get them to sacrifice those individual statistics and play together, that is uh, something special. And being around, and basketball, being around that program, like I learned so much from the other two, uh, the head coach and the assistant coach, just mm-hmm. being around them because they were so goal-oriented. They were so detail-focused. But they also, they're constantly learning. And the assistant coach, one of the greatest things that he taught me is if you want to learn something, to reach out. He was all always, he was reaching out to Division One coaches and asking them questions. Mm-hmm. And then during the season, the Division One coaches, they're super busy. But off-season, unbelievably generous. So mm-hmm. many programs came back to him and provided him with information. And I also got to go with these gentlemen. Like we went to see uh, Ohio State, VCU, um, Robert Morris, George Mason. So we got to go and see them and little coaching clinics that they put on and the behind the scenes and all the details. And like we were talking before the the show, we don't like when we're just fans and we show up on game day, we don't realize how much goes into uh, these programs and the studying and the details. You know, I was watching this weekend with, with the football playoffs and they were, I was watching mm-hmm. the Rams play, and they were talking about Matt Stafford and the receiver. And I don't think it's just uh, uncommon for them. But they were saying that these guys show up at the team facility at 6 o'clock in the morning, and they're watching game film after game film after game film. 
And uh, we just don't see that. We just see what happens on Sundays or game days for basketball. And we don't see all of that that goes into, you know, under the bright lights. So that was just a a huge learning experience for me. So, wow. As I know, that's kind of long winded. (laughs) That in and of itself could be an episode, Brian. Um, Just an awesome synopsis of, of your learning journey so far. There's so much to unpack right there. Which branch of the military were you reservist for? Uh, the Army. And uh, are you still active? Yeah, you, you know what? Uh, so here, here's a neat little uh, story that uh, real quick. Um, the Army, when you're in the Army Reserves, at least when I was in, it is uh, six years and two years. Six years, you have to show up one weekend a month, two, two weeks in the summertime. And then that two years comes and you don't... Uh, have to go, but they can still call you up. If they need you, they can bring you back in and fill you in on the spot. So when we went to Iraq and when we came home, my very last drill was the month that we came home. So we came home and that was it. Like, uh, you know, I never saw any of the guys again, except for a couple of guys that lived close to me. I never saw the guys mm-hmm. again. Well, this past weekend, one of the soldiers that was in my unit, um, he got promoted to a staff sergeant. And he had me come down and help uh, in the promotion ceremony. So there's, you know, a handful of guys that uh, I haven't seen in 14 years. And I got to see him this weekend and got to be a part of that. And just, uh, you know, so proud of my friend who is now a staff sergeant. And uh, so it was an amazing experience. That's great. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that with us. Thank you for your service. So much to learn uh, from that and and so much other things in your story. You know, I'm curious, uh, what commonalities do you, do you tie through those experiences in terms of what you started to learn about yourself and how you learn? Did you feel like that maybe changed or evolved through you know, your formal education in high school in your hometown? going to a couple of different higher ed institutions. And then, of course, uh, I think how the military trains and learns, that that's that could be a different shift for people and, and understanding that. What did you learn about yourself as a learner through the through all of those different ventures? And then even today as a practitioner, and you're, I know for a fact you're constantly learning. You talked about your experience being a basketball coach as well. Are there some common threads? Have you learned a lot about yourself, Brian, and, and, and uh, things that you can lean on? Or have you evolved? Yeah, no, you know, absolutely. I think uh, growing up, and maybe it was just uh, the traditional sense of education. Like I was always, uh, and I'm a slow learner. I'm one that just, uh, it doesn't come natural to me. And maybe that helps out in the classroom because I'm pretty patient with the ones that that, uh, don't pick it up right away because I was one of them. And, uh, you know, so early on, it's you have the note sheets and all your notes or you put them on the index cards and you're just flipping and you're trying to memorize that and everything. So that's what I did all the way up through college, but through the military. And I would say through uh, being part of the basketball program and seeing everything like my learning style now is very visual. Like I need to see it with my eyes. I can read about it, but seeing it with my eyes and seeing people actually do it and perform the task. And then 
myself going and performing that task and just doing that repetition process over and over again, seeing it, doing it, um, thinking about it, reflecting on it. What did I do good? What did I do wrong? Is has been huge. And also uh, like visualizing. I really didn't know too much about visualizing, but uh, when I was younger and now they say there's so much power if we visualize things. Like it's almost, mm-hmm. our brains are so powerful that if we had like with this interview, I tried playing it in my head, trying to make it good for you and for the listeners, just uh, <laughs> conducting that in- interview in my head over and over and over again, just uh, so we can play it. If I have, um, when I'm getting observed, you know, even at year 20, I'm going through that lesson. And I'll be walking around my, even in my classroom, sometimes the custodian probably thinks I'm nuts, but to, to prepare for it, like walking around that uh, classroom, almost acting it out, thinking about what I'm going to say, trying to think about some of the variables because uh, our students can be variables sometimes. We can control a lot, but we don't necessarily know some of the things that are going to happen. So thinking about some of the variables that might happen and how I would address that. And, uh, you know, one big thing with the military after every ops or operation, they come back and, you know, what are three good things? What are three things that we need to do better? And what are we going to do next time? And that reflection piece. And I know as teachers, we do that a lot as well. Yeah, I think you've highlighted a great point that maybe so many of us in our occupations and in our own lives, we just blaze right past that debrief. Um, good or bad or indifferent, just, you can call it self-reflection. You can talk about, you know, different ways to frame it, but we just tend to blaze through so many things, whether it's the pre-planning of the learning we're going to do or the activity or the project, but also the debrief. Um, it's equally as important, both when things go well and they don't go well, that we, we embed that. And I think you highlighted how the military does that, that does a really good job of that. Most branches that I've familiar with or even stories that I've read or, or story, uh, excuse me, like movies, they highlight that uh, special ops and things like that. They do that. And I think that's just an area in, in our lives. We tend to busy. We, if things go great, uh, great, move on to the next thing. Um, and, and there's something cognitively about the process of actually slowing it down. I'm glad that it went well. However, as you said, we kind of under value maybe um, the power of our brain. I think about John Hattie's work, right? About believing uh, in our students and what his research says, all the metacognitive analysis that, that he's done over the years with his team. And, you know, we work with teachers on that, but I don't know that a lot of people understand. I think some people would kind of dismiss that. Like, you mean just thinking that I can do something or just thinking that my students can do something could actually make a difference on their achievement and most of the research that I'm familiar with says that it does. And we could transfer that type of thinking to our own lives and our own work. Yeah, that's great if other people believe in us, but it starts with ourselves. Yeah, 100%, 100% that power of belief is so huge. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite stories with, with the podcast that we do and being sports guys is um, from Dabo Sweeney, the head coach of the Clemson uh, University football program. And I don't know if you've heard this before, but he talked when he got the job like mid season and he said that 
his first meeting, he shows up and he brings two signs. And so he's meeting with uh, the whole football team, a bunch of 18 to 22 year old, unbelievably great athletes. And he said he shows up with two signs. And the one sign was believe. And the other sign was I can't with the, the T crossed out. So it says I can't. And he said those were two big messages that he's always had to his players is belief because there's so many people out there in the world that will tell them they can't, but there's power in those people that tell them that you can. And having someone believe in you, sometimes when we don't even believe in ourselves, and I think all of us have had that at some point, somebody that believed in us so much and they spoke that into us that it really built us up and lifted us up. And then, uh, you know, that I can't piece. He said, taking that too many people want to quit on themselves, you know, that uh, they shut down when first time that they meet adversity. So taking that I can't and making it I can. And he says he's brought that, and if he forgets that in a meeting, that these 18 to 22-year-old men will be like, Coach, where's our, where's our, you know, where's our posters or, or our signs and everything? And it's just, you know, that message. And we're always right. planting seeds and with our words, with our actions, and that sending little messages. And that mm-hmm. power believe when we believe in ourselves, it's huge. You know, and, and what I've learned, uh, and I'll admit to this, and I've only learned this in the last two or three years of my life, really, and I'm in 40 years old now, and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I'm not too ashamed to admit it because better late than never, um, but you need to really think about being vulnerable and sharing with people what it is that you want to get better at. We talked about this in previous episodes. If you, you know, if you want some partners to help guide and support you, they actually need to know what your goals are. And even if they're hobbies or I want to get better at this or I want to be a better friend or I want to be a better dad um, or whatever it might be, uh, better at my workplace or I want to learn a new skill. Well, you need to share those things with people. Um, The power of connection is important. But to your point, you actually brought a different angle to it, which is just another belief partner uh, or group Mm -hmm. of people. And then this I've always looked at it from an avenue of connection like, hey, I'm not really big into golf, but I know someone else in our town or in our community that is looking for a partner. And, you know, then you become like uh, men's league partners for like 30 years because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, just think about those sort of butterfly moments, right? But your angle is is equally as important, which is belief partners, um, support group, um, not in the sense of like a mental health standpoint, although it could be helpful in more around like just, hey, that's great. I'm not good at that. But let me check in with you more periodically. Let me shoot you a text message, see how that's going. Um, and it just plants a seed, as you've said. Uh, and, you know, but for a lot of people, it takes some vulnerability. I know for me, you know, getting into the podcasting, right? Like I, I wondered if people um, would think that's sort of a, a waste of time or they didn't really understand that or, you know, what's the end game. And I didn't, I didn't have it. I don't have an end game. I, I like talking to people and learning from them. And I feel like if I record it and share it with other people, mm-hmm. that that can have a multiplier effect. And so there really isn't an end game with it. But I've been I've met so many great people like yourself just, you know, through, you know, being a little bit vulnerable, sharing some of my goals and passions around uh, things I want to learn. It's just kind of a small example. But um, I would encourage listeners to, 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 you know, kind of suppress that vulnerability. Life short. 
um, and, uh, you know, reach out to those people around you that you value, your friends and your family and kind of share those things with them. And even if you think, geez, I, I don't think they know anything about it. I don't know what they'll be able to do. They will be able to be uh, a belief partner and a supporter of you. And so thanks for bringing that up. It's a great, it's a great way to view it. Yeah. And I love what, what you said there. Like, uh, I think that power of vulnerability, because sometimes we hold ourselves back. We don't want to look like that beginner. We don't want to, mm-hmm. and that, you know, I'm, I'm the same way as far as starting my podcast and everything where those, those fears and those concerns are and everything. And sometimes we blow them out of proportion because right. we're always worried about what other people are thinking, but other people are so busy with their own life. Mm-hmm. They, they really don't pay attention too much to, to what we're doing. And if you're passionate about something or if you enjoy something, and I think it comes with age. I'm 42. You said that you're 40. Like mm-hmm. life is short. So right. might as well make the, the most of every single moment that we have. Sure. Now, Brian, let me ask you this. Uh, we, we usually try to ask our guests on the podcast about this idea of motivation and how it affects your learning. And I think you have a very unique perspective in that you both spend a lot of your life learning and directly teaching. And in this case, young people. Now, it's been a long time since I've been in second grade and my kids are no longer in second grade, um, but I'm, I'm fortunate to be in schools a lot. And so I get to observe all grade levels. And it seems like for the most part, those that age of students have a pretty good intrinsic or motivation to learn. You know, everything's sort of um, eyes wide open. But I know that's not always the case. And so I'd be curious, what's your outlook and what's your tips and tricks for you know, learning things that you're really motivated to do is it, it kind of falls into your wheelhouse naturally. But what about when you're working with um, I even think about your military experience. I'm guessing you had to learn some things you weren't super motivated to do, um, at least that's my impression in, and uh, from hearing from others. But what about when you're teaching too? what what do you take into consideration when you don't have that intrinsic, that drive, that burn, at least initially to learn what you're what, what's in front of you? Uh, yeah, so um, as far as the second graders, what's really neat about a seven or eight-year-old, and I think all of us, like, uh, we love seeing progress. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels good when we get better at something. And when, when you're seven years old, eight years old, you can see that progress really well. And it, it's a, a beautiful age. Um, obviously, not all of them are intrinsically motivated as much as others, but, you know, they come in at second grade and they're reading like small books, a lot of them. By the end of them, end of the grade, a lot of the students, they've moved up. They're reading chapter books. And I think as they they start to see themselves making that progress, because that's a very visible progress that they can do, that uh, they get pumped about it. And uh, also, uh, you know, right now, math, like uh, second graders, it's the toughest part of the year for them because uh, we're doing regrouping with subtraction. And uh, that's it's a difficult concept for some to pick up. But when they start to see their growth and they start to see that progress, they get pretty fired up and they get excited about it. And, you know, for me, I go, uh, 
I don't know if you're familiar with Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker sure. or whatever. I go full Tony Robbins every single day <laughs> on him in the morning. And mo- most of the time after I'm done talking to him and everything, I'll get a hand raised and be like, uh, do we have gym today, Mr. Martin? So, uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we uh, talked about earlier about planting seeds. And we talk about little things every single day, whether it's the I can't cross out that T and I can, or let's fall in love with doing hard things. That's how we grow. So, you know, we're talking about doing hard things. We talk about grit and uh, working hard, learning from our mistakes. The first thing I have a little mantra inside the classroom. And uh, it goes like every single day. We call ourselves the superstar scholars. I mean, we're rocking uh, seven-year-olds. They love it. So uh, that's what we go with. But we go uh, every single day, the superstar scholars make mistakes, show grit, work hard, ask questions, be grateful, accept feedback. And uh, we do that every single day. And I feel, you know, if you ask me, now my job is to teach them reading and writing and, and the arithmetic, probably what means the most to me are all of those things. And uh, I want them to hear 180 times that you need to show up and you need to make a mistake because we're going to learn from it. And that's how we right. grow from it. And that the only failure is when we don't try. Because mm-hmm. I, I've been some, you know, growing up, and if you want to talk about learning style and everything, I am someone who held myself back so much because I was so scared to make a mistake, so scared not to look competent and just didn't believe in myself. So I don't want my students to be like that. So I always Mm -hmm. want to plant. You better be making a mistake. I don't care if you get it right. You try hard. You work hard. I'm here for you. And we're going to make mistakes every single day. You know, we say that little mantra and then I say, Mr. Martin's making mistakes now. I'll raise up my hands. You know, I said, I'm going big time. I'm doing two. And a couple of the girls, they started raising their arms and they'll lay back in their chair and they'll (laughs) shoot up their their legs. So uh, they said, we're going to make four mistakes today, Mr. Martin, (laughs) and everything. So, it's you know, it's that message and uh, taking that time. um, John Gordon always says, your culture is what you celebrate and what you tolerate. So we're going to celebrate the mistakes and when they're being successful. Uh, we're cheering all, all day long for our friends. If they answer a question right, we'll give them two claps. Say, we'll flex up on each other. We'll flex for the whole class. We'll flex for the friends. So it's just all about, you know, making it visible, making it fun, cheering each other on. So That's great. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. You dropped some fantastic nuggets like I knew you would. One, make it visual have, you know, barriers, not barriers, excuse me, but markers for success. What are those visual cues for success? Um, are different things to different people, but find out what those things are for you. Uh, I could go on a whole episode about, I think, one of the strengths of Peloton and why they've been able to be successful is it's connectivity and visual cues. Um, mm-hmm. People feel connected when they're on these devices. Um, and there's so many visual cues um, that there's all these metrics that are easy to consume. You understand what they mean, output, speed, resistance, and the balance of those, that that's a great idea on their part. 
because you see the visual. I'm not intrinsically motivated to jump on that bike at 5.30, but it doesn't take five minutes until I start to see output and I see where mm-hmm. I rank within the other riders across the world. And so um, I've always found that that was a great example of like making it visual, putting it in front of you, because I'm not too intrinsically motivated to jump on there when it's cold and it's dark and uh, I'm tired. So uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, and of course, there's a whole another podcast episode here too about this idea of you know encouraging to fail forward. And um, this is different for so many people, like people our age or, or older, um, and even some and some students who are younger who are brought up in a more traditional, um, I would say more of a deficit mindset. Like you, it's viewed negatively to have a deficit. But the fact of the matter is, if we all think about this, and I've talked about this in up, other episodes, is we have to encourage learning where people have the ability and the space, or what I call the sandbox, to make mistakes, to fail forward. Because if they're not, just people are zooming right past them. If they're mm-hmm. going to wait around to not only participate or only contribute when they feel that they're competent, they're going to be waiting a long time. And that's not going to make them competitive in the 21st century for a job or, or you know, for being a contributing part of society. You have to fail forward. You've got to get yourself in the sandbox and try to figure it out. And that's where great teachers uh, have this extreme value um, because that's where we help make those connections. We support, we build a culture for learning. And you don't have to be an educator like Brian, a world-class teacher. You can understand some of those benefits and apply them to your own life circumstances, your family, your job, your team, um, even your co-ed or recreational softball league. You know, those are some things that you can do and take from this podcast and from guests like um, uh, Brian, who are master educators. And so it's not weak. It's not soft. It's not a trophy for every person. Um, I never heard uh, Brian talk about, you know, just letting people get by. As a matter of fact, quite the contrary. Um, We don't get to say, I don't know. We don't get to take a pass. Um, We're failing forward. We're we're all going to contribute. And and ultimately, you know, it gives that that sense of, um, hey, I have some competency here. Like I can actually do this. And as I mentioned in a previous episode this season already is, as Daniel Pink says, that competency is a precursor to confidence and then autonomy that I can take it and do it myself. And so I think you've done a great job highlighting that. And uh, thanks for that motivation. I'm excited. I'd love to be in your class right now um, in Western New York. So uh, I don't I don't think I would trust myself to not fall off a chair putting two hands and two legs <laughs> up, but uh, I'll own the two hand mistakes anytime. So thanks a lot for sharing that. It's a great idea. Yeah, and I appreciate so, that. And I, I know real quick, I know that you are a avid reader, just like mm-hmm. myself, and you look outside the world of education. So when we talk about, you know, failing forward and everything, I've read a lot about millionaire mindsets, these big okay. time uh, business people and how they see the world and everything. And they say, it's not that we don't make mistakes. They say we make mistakes all the time. We just make them quicker than everybody else. And then we learn from them. So I, you know, I, I think that's, that's huge and not being, yeah, being afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and nothing small. I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, what I do doesn't really matter or, I mean, that selling yourself that narrative is, is just mm-hmm. not true at all. The power of small moments, 
um, or small actions or small, you know, opening the door for someone, smiling at someone, uh, asking if I can help you with that can can have a domino effect unbelievably exponentially in, in other people's lives that you'll never know. I mean, you'll never, mm-hmm. ever know. But most of us have been on the receiving end of that as well. The same thing's true of negative thoughts um, or not putting yourself forward is that it can have an exponential effect too and a ripple effect. So it's what are you putting into the, the world? What are you what kind of energy are you putting into the world? Your team, your organization, your family. Um, and so I, I, that's what I think about. Uh, I'm not perfect. I, I work on it all the time. I'm cognizant about it all the time is, uh, you know, there's only two ways to go here. Am I, am I helping? Am I, am I being positive or am I hurting? I don't know there's much neutral as far as vibe and energy and effort. I love what you said right there as far as like, number one, the small things. It doesn't take a lot, but to open up a door, to smile, to say, how are you doing today? And really mean it, not just walk mm-hmm. by him and how, you know, how are you? And uh, if someone needs to talk, to be there and to listen to them. And like you said, we're responsible for the energy that we bring. That comes from within. We can't give that power to everybody else. We can't give that power to our administration or, you know, to the students or certain rules that come down on us. Our days, we want like uh, we're putting all that power in other people's hands if we let them determine the day we're going to have. Like no we doubt. can uh, if we come and we bring that energy, it just it has that ripple effect, and it touches like you said. You might not see it, but uh, one little moment that you share with somebody can turn their day completely around. Mm-hmm. Very good. <clears throat> Let's talk about you a little bit more. Uh, I like to ask this question uh, towards the end of our podcast. I can't believe we're getting close to the end of an episode, but. Um, what, what's next for you? What's on your horizon? What do you, what are you learning more about? I know you're in all kinds of different spaces and, and I'm excited to hear about that, but what, what's next for you? What do you, what do you have on your, not necessarily bucket list, but learning list? Yeah. You know what? Uh, professionally, I guess, uh, I'm trying to learn more about the science of reading and, uh, best practices in reading. And you would think after 19 years, I should know all that, but, uh, the more I know, the more I realize how little I do know. So exactly on, on that professional note, like uh, going after that. And then on like the personal note, um, just how to become a better podcaster, how to become a better speaker. So mm-hmm. I'm always trying to listen to different people, analyze how they talk, um, different styles, because there's different styles of, of talking. So I like, I like that to become a better speaker. And I'm just super passionate about trying to help people. And you talked about that positive energy. There is people out there in the education field that have a ton of followers and they do great things. But sometimes I think maybe they play to that narrative of uh, we're so overworked. Um, Some of the negatives, because there's always going to be a ton of negatives and and Mm -hmm. there's always, it's always going to be there. It's a stressful time. Everybody's, Mm -hmm burn out a little bit. So I guess my big thing is I, I don't want to throw into that narrative. I want what are tools, what are techniques that we can do to make ourselves strengthen ourselves so that we can have the best day possible and uh, just uh, throw out a lot of, a lot of positivity, a lot of joy, hopefully, and uh, you know, help lift other people up. That's, uh, that's the big thing. 
Well, that's a great, great segue for my next question, which is I want to learn more about the Teaching Champions podcast, your podcast. Um, tell us about it. You know, where's the idea from it? What's the premise of your podcast? And and obviously tell us how we can support you and uh, and your podcast that way. Well, thanks, Chad. Uh, the, the Teaching Champions podcast right now, it's a podcast. And the name comes from, you know, Teaching Champions. You could say, you know, all the people that show up and they work with their students are champions. But I also think a lot that the kids, the students are champions and how you view someone matters. How we view our students matters. And if you view them as a champion, it affects the way you speak to them. It affects the way you treat them. It affects the standards that you hold them to. And it affects how patient you are with them. So, uh, you know, that's a lot with uh, the teaching champions where the name comes from. And it's just a lot like uh, like we talked about. Hopefully there's some joy in there. Hopefully there's some inspiration. I'm big like uh, so in sports right now, they have these mentally mental conditioning coaches, all the, the major uh, NFL, Major League Baseball. And I think it's starting to trickle down into college right now. They have these performance coaches and I've listened to a bunch of them. And what they do is they give tips and tricks of mental tools that people can use or the athletes can use in games. Think about a player alignment on the Chiefs. You're playing on Sunday night. You get a flag. You have 80,000 people in the stand know that you're that person that made that mistake. You have millions of people across uh, the world that are watching the game knowing that you by yourself made that mistake in the next in 15 seconds you got to get back down on that stance and do it perfectly and do your assignment like that mental strength that mental conditioning is huge and so i'm trying to pull like little tips and tricks from them from business people how can we bring that into education and you know how can we give that to our students how can we use that for ourselves uh, to make us mentally stronger to make us you know, hopefully find a little more happiness and a little more joy in our day. So what's the format of your podcast? It's a little bit different than mine in the sense uh, that I've utilized primarily all interview style uh, back and forth. Talk to us a little bit about your style so far. Yeah, so so far, and I'm looking hopefully to branch out into interviews and, and connect with amazing people like yourself. Um, but so far, it's been all monologue. And the way, way I've treated it is... Like things that I want to learn, things that I'm weak in and I need to grow. So I'm all, I'm doing research. Um, I'm listening to other podcasts. I'm reading books and I'm just trying to, to take that knowledge and, uh, in a monologue that I try and keep it to 15 minutes because uh, no one wants to listen to me more than 15 minutes. After that, it, uh, it's a little bit too long. So I try and keep it 15 minutes long and, uh, just trying hopefully some antidotes from the world of a primary level that uh, can uh, just make you smile and highlight the good things in education. And then uh, hopefully a couple little uh, tips and tricks that maybe uh, you can use in your day. I love that. And um, I obviously ha highly encourage all the listeners, whether you're an educator or not, 
to subscribe to the Teaching Champions podcast. Listen to some of these last episodes. Tough days and controlling the things you can control. Finding fulfillment in the little things and showing up. Beating the Monday morning blues. Becoming a more resilient educator through compassion. A week of joy, imposter syndrome, and reflections. I mean, these are things that can help all of us. And like you said, is you're actually sharing your learning journey uh, with everybody else. And uh, when I listen to your podcasts, and I used to be a coach and, and uh, I love sports and I love athletics mm-hmm. and I've shared that before. And although I wasn't nearly as talented as I'd hoped I'd be, I didn't lack for effort and compassion. And I am a sucker for a great uh, pregame speech or halftime speech. And that's what I feel like when I listen to your podcast, like I'm ready for the day. Let's go. Uh, let's do this. And so if you're a person that likes that too, if you're someone that feel like you need that 12, 15, 17 minute uh, kind of rejuvenation, motivation, get your mind right, I highly encourage you to check out the Teaching Champions podcast. Uh, Brian, of course, as you can tell, does a phenomenal job. He knows what he's talking about and uh, will motivate you as well. So a lot of different ways to check that out. How can we subscribe? How can we find it, Brian? Uh, it's on all uh, podcasts, Spotify, um, Apple, and uh, all the major ones. So please subscribe. It's awesome. And uh, subscribe to this one too, Chad. I can't tell you what an honor it's been to, to be here. I love your podcast. I love the whole premise of it. I think uh, you're doing awesome things, my friend. I thank you very much. Uh, it's all a work in progress. I'm learning how to do the Learning with Interesting People podcast. Hey, uh, talk about Twitter. How can people follow you, connect with you, look you up? One bonus of uh, following Brian's work is that he puts out a lot of great motivations, um, primarily in the morning, right? Yeah, I try and send out a a good morning tweet and just uh, something that's resonating with me. Um, I subscribe to a lot of uh, newsletters or books that I'm reading. So whether it's from newsletters or books that spark a certain... uh, a thought in my mind. And uh, I just try and share that with the world, a little, little joy in the morning. Um, the the handle at, at Twitter is bmartinreal. And uh, we'd love to connect. I think uh, Twitter, a lot of, it gets a bad rap. It can get, uh, you can go down some rabbit holes that uh, are not right. uh, very positive. But if you interact with the good people, like all the people that, that I interact with are pretty awesome and they encourage, and they support, and they lift each other up. So I think I would love to connect with you guys there. Well, that's great. Uh, Yeah, check them out on podcasts. Brian's a great follow. I'm always, you know, thrilled. Uh, Obviously, we're a little bit of a time difference, New York, Western New York to Iowa. But by the time I get to it, like I want my goal is to like be a, to like one of your early morning posts, like before 300 other people do, but you're, you've got such a great following and that is a testament to how positive you are. People are obviously seeking that out, looking for that daily motivation through you and we can all do that. It doesn't have to be a tweet or a Facebook post and that could be something that you're setting your hat on to say, hey, before I get that first cup of coffee finished at my job, this is something I'm going to make sure I do every day. I'm going to ask somebody different about how things are going with their family or how is their son basketball team doing or, or, their, or their daughter swim team or whatever it might be. Um, doesn't have to be a tweet. That's just something that like I'm seeing as a footprint for you for positivity and how it has a, like in this case, it has like a visual multiplier effect, but that's just all the people that hit the little heart 
and the retweet, that's not them actually living out their day a little bit better because of it. There's way bigger of effect, uh, an effect there. So that's exciting. It's a little bit nerve wracking to know that we have that uh, influence on each other, but we can control whether it's positive or negative and then where it goes from there. So check, check Brian out on Twitter. Definitely subscribe to the Teaching Champions podcast if, you, if, you, if you're up for that kind of content. I think you'll find it very, very helpful and motivating as well. And uh, I just want to thank you, Brian, for taking the time to connect. Um, you know, I seem to have a theme going. I joked in the earlier episode uh, that came out this season that, you know, as an Iowa Hawkeye fan, I've had on more Nebraska Cornhuskers uh, graduates than, than two, to, two to zero to Hawkeyes. Um, and now I have, you know, as a Chiefs fan, one of the first big NFL fans I have from a different team is the Bills. So, um, but that just shows that, you know, you can be fanatics about a team, but still be great friends and have a lot in common. And so I encourage you to do that. Speaking of Twitter and people being, you know, vitriol and things like that, um, that there's no need to do that, but it's all in good fun as well. So thanks for being a, an ardent Bill supporter. I, I don't want to talk about the recent divisional playoff game. I, I think it, we just need to leave that where it is. And I, it all goes around, comes around. I'm aware of that. So thanks a lot for being a good sport. Make sure you connect with Brian. And uh, I, I just thank you so much for your time. Yeah, you know, thank you so much for having me, brother. And uh, yeah, I don't know who scheduled this for two days after the, the <laughs> recent <laughs> football game, but uh, much love to the Chiefs. Uh, you know, it seems like a fantastic fan base. And uh, what's special, and hopefully your kids, uh, I don't know if they're big football fans. They are. But uh, it's, it's always awesome for uh, the community and everything to see the excitement in the it's almost better in the game the the excitement right. and everything the schools do for the for the kids and everything but uh yeah i try and keep my my chief fans uh down to a minimum but you are definitely one of them brother so uh sounds good well uh, i, I look lot. forward to uh to uh, sharing some some of those famous buffalo wings and we'll get some kansas state barbecue together and it'll be a great time absolutely all right brother thank you so much take care you too there, Chad. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Learning with Interesting People podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon Music. Hit the subscribe button, and if you feel so inclined to leave us a rating, we'd sure appreciate it. This episode was produced by me, Chad Lang, and the music was provided courtesy of The Nadas. You can find The Nadas on Instagram or Twitter at The Nadas. Don't forget to follow the Learning with Interesting People podcast on Twitter at learn underscore w underscore ppl and until next time keep learning and it's coming down on me and now i can tell the hand coming down the wishing well gonna pick me up and take me where i am take me where i wanna be because i don't know where i'm gonna go tomorrow i don't know if I'm coming back again I don't know where I'm gonna be tomorrow